0: Hello and welcome to the Carers Link What's On podcast and this is episode 28 and for those of you that are regular listeners you will realize that I am not John, I am John's normal co-host, I am Katie. Um, John is busy today so he can't join us and joining us instead is uh, a new voice, so Heather is going to be a co-host with us. So Heather, how are you feeling about being a co-host?
1: I'm very much looking forward to it, Katie. You're going to be a hard act to follow, of course, but I will do my very best.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sure you can do it equally as well as me and bring your own flavour to it. Um, so today we are going to find out a bit more about autism. And we have two guests with us. Heather, do you want to introduce the guests?
1: Yep. They're joining us this morning, our autism consultant, Heather Wright, uh, together with Fiona Campbell who is one of our very own advocacy um, members of the team. So Heather and Fiona welcome. Thank you. And I wondered if you would just like to introduce yourselves and perhaps just a brief introduction a little, little bit about yourself and um,
2: what it is that you do. My name is Fiona and I work for Carers Link, and I provide support to um, all carers in general, but with a specialism on mental health and um, autism. Um, so this, is, with sort of the way life has been uh, recently, it's changed a bit. Um, so a lot of the support I'm providing kind of is over the phone. Over the past, maybe to attend meetings and and things like that. Um, and usually we have a sort of, I work quite closely with Heather, um, and again that sort of changed a bit. So we've been lucky, we've worked in partnership with a organisation called Differabled. Abled. Um, so between uh, Carers Link and Differabled, we provide either one to one support for uh, carers for caring for someone on the spectrum or group support through uh, information sessions, which I think Heather will be able to tell you a bit more in detail about. Great stuff. Thanks, Fiona.
1: And over to you, Heather.
3: Um, I've been working with Cares Link now for about five, six years Um, since I retired from being an occupational therapist with the health board. Um, I did specialist training in autism and sensory processing issues. And so I bring my, um, I was employed to give supports and training events around about autism. And it's expanded slightly to cover the other neurodiverse conditions, neurodevelopmental conditions like attention deficit disorder, dyspraxia, those type of developmental issues that have a lot of similarities to autism. So I provide formal training events. Um, and I also work for disabled So we're now doing it in partnership and providing it in um, electronic format across the Zoom platform. Um, and I also provide, as Fiona says, one-to-one sessions, which at the moment are done through telephone calls or Zoom meetings or emails. Um, so I can provide a variety of different support methods.
0: Great. Thanks, Heather.
3: Yes, I think well, since you've joined us,
0: Heather, and there are two Heathers, you will notice there's lots of Heathers on the meeting today. So there's Heather it's Wright very is the autism <laughs> specialist and Heather McKelvey is, is the events coordinator for Keris Lincoln my co-host um, so Heather I think what would be really useful many of the listeners out there will know what autism is but but for some of them it may be something they've a word they've heard banded about and they don't really know what it means could you give us a, a brief description of of what autism is and what it means to to the person who who has it
3: Autism is a neurodevelopmental condition, uh, which means that it affects the way the brain has developed and processes information. Individuals on the spectrum process their information differently to neurotypical people. doesn't mean they're wrong, it just means they're different. They process it using different strategies and are often extremely focused on particular issues while not so focused on others. This can cause great strengths, but it can also cause difficulties when they live in a world that expects people to process in a particular way. Um, It can result in difficulties around about engaging with other people and with communication, and it can cause problems with um, managing their own arousal levels and their sensory systems. So these, are difficulties which can occur, but there are strategies available um, to help the people overcome those barriers. It's just about learning what they are. Yep. Um,
1: and, And we'll come on a wee bit later, maybe to some of, you know, how people can find out a wee bit more about what some of those strategies are. Um, just, it just occurs to me that lockdown has been been tough in all of us, but how have you found in your experience that lockdown has affected people with autism and maybe not just the people with autism, but their
2: families too? Uh, I suppose uh, from a sort of carers link point of view, we're supporting the carers. At the beginning, um, due to, um, Heather was saying about sort of the issues around communication and um, interacting with other people, some of the carers you spoke to, although... It was difficult for them because the person they cared for maybe was no longer going to clubs, no longer going to school, no longer going out. They were, um, due to lockdown they were spending more a lot more time in their room and in the house. But for the people themselves, again this is not everyone, this is just like a, a snapshot, some people, the people on the spectrum themselves actually we didn't mind sort of lockdown so much because it's where they were sort of comfortable. They were they got to, maybe didn't have to try and force the person they care for to go out into school or um, out into to, to the communities. So they were quite comfortable there, but I think that brought a lot of fear for the carers because Maybe they spent a very, very long time working and getting somebody into into school, into groups and things like that. So although maybe for the person itself, and again not in every case, it, 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 maybe they quite enjoy is not the right right thing. But they, you know, it, it maybe wasn't as bad as it was for maybe some other conditions. But I think for the carers, it caused a lot of worry because they thought, well, you know, after this, were they going to have to start all again because something I it's taken months or years to get them to the stage that they're at. So I think that was quite a quite a, a worry mm, at the yeah. beginning.
1: Okay. And Heather, what are your thoughts?
2: At at the beginning, there was a
3: large issue for some of our individuals. A lot of individuals on the spectrum find change very difficult. Um, Being able to understand and process what change means and how it affects them and how they're supposed to interact with it can be quite challenging. And so the routine and structures had suddenly all changed. Basically, the rules had changed, which I think were difficult for a lot of people. But for people on the spectrum who like clear guidelines about what the rules and structures are, it became quite challenging. And as Fiona said, it was actually, they were in their comfort zone within the house normally, but the routines and structures of the day had gone. But as soon as that started to become the norm, our individuals settled down and it was noticeable that in fact the stresses and strains for the individual, as Fiona says, actually started to reduce. However, the constant and the worry of how we reintroduce became the big issue for carers. Mm -hmm. And then as we approached the start-up of school and the opening of lockdown when none of us had very clear instructions about what was going to happen or what it was going to look like, trying to prepare our people for that return to what was anything but normal was incredibly difficult Um, and was very stressful for the carers and for the individuals on the spectrum as well because they were going into a, a world which none of us knew what it was going to look like and what it was going to expect of us. So there was a, a lot of phone calls at the beginning mm-hmm. and there was a lot of, then it kind of calmed down a bit. And just before school and universities started, the phone calls started flooding in again. And it was clear that there was a need for very specialist training and supports to be put in place. Um, so a whole re- regime of, New training events had to be put in place to support people with this new world that, post that, not post but COVID, was going to produce um, as we access the outside world again.
0: So have you found, Heather, that? With those strategies in place, people are coping. Because I know it's difficult for for me to think about. You know, when I, the first time I went back to the gym after after lockdown, my stomach on the way down was was in a terrible state. I very nearly turned around and came away again. So, have you found that with those strategies, that people are being able to to get back into the the routine of life outside the home?
3: That's that's a very mixed response. Um, and the reality is that some of our individuals have not been able to do that, um and some have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still an awful lot of anxiety around um i think in the general population, but within the spectrum, there's still an awful lot of anxiety, and it depends very much on how much information has been given to the individuals so the places where there are clear guidelines and they have been delivered in a very practical often visual format um, that has worked the within education where the schools have been able to establish re-establish the people's support plans then that has worked unfortunately a large number of schools have found it incredibly difficult to implement the individual's original support plans and that's causing a lot of distress to both the pupils and to their carers because the support plans that were identified as as needed are not being implemented because of the additional requirements around about COVID that the school are trying to handle.
2: I think that was quite a big thing because you like speaking to a few caterers who usually, maybe their son or daughter was coming from nursery into primary, and usually that'd be a big transition. They'd go up and they'd visit, and there'd be planning, and there'd be do statutory things around that. But a lot of times, and again, not always the school's fault, because I think a lot of the teachers were going back and kind of not knowing what was happening. So, who are sort of usual try to be introductions, sort of seamless, not seamless, but you know, supported transitions would happen, they just didn't happen. You know, there was somebody who was starting a brand new, from nursery to a brand new school, and was going in on the first day, hadn't really met anybody and that, that was really unusual. You know, usually they'd come up and they'd meet the teachers, see the classroom, but just because of that situation, it hadn't happened. And even kids who maybe had been in secondary school for a new for a while and were just going and starting a new academic year, Um as Heather was saying, a lot of the things that would usually be in place because just of the unusual situation and obviously a lot of the teachers were going back and had worked over the summer looking at going back but didn't know themselves what were happening. That seems to be quite a big bit that's been quite a worry for some carers.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really, really difficult and challenging time for a, for a lot of families. Um, so with that in mind then, what kind of help and support is out there um, for these families at this at this difficult time. Um, Heather, I think you mentioned earlier on that you you also work with Differabled, is that right?
3: Yes. Differabled are a, a charitable organisation um, based in Glasgow, but they don't have a postcode cover. Basically, they, they cover people from all around the area. So they have quite a few parents from Eastern Bartonshire and from Glasgow, a couple from Wren, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they were providing training and support groups prior um, to this lockdown, and everything has now gone online. So they have support groups which have become online instead of face-to-face, and they are hosting um, training sessions. Prior to the school starting, we had a a new term preparing for the new term training event, um, which talks very much about how do you identify what the new term is going to look like, not just for the transition parents um, who were dealing with nursery to primary, primary to secondary, secondary to college, but for the children going back to a school which didn't quite look the same as it had before the lockdown because of new rules possibly new layouts and we talked about how do you prepare the person for what it's actually going to look like and feel like now so we ran sessions like that just before the school term started and then we did a question and answers just after and then we do a basic we used to do a four-day basic training called Carers Autism Support Training, which was run by Carers Link and was run by Differabled. We're now working in partnership, doing the same thing in Zoom sessions, but it's been put over six sessions because you can't really do Zoom for quite so long as you can a face-to-face. Um, but we covered the whole what is autism, the communication things, the processing differences, the sensory stuff, the arousal and behavioral issues, and the how do we form support plans. That's all part of the sixth session. And there's a new one of those about to start on the 28th of October, uh, running through into the beginning of December, an evening and a morning session. And after Christmas, we'll do some additional add-ons like sensory and, uh, sorry, social stories, that type of thing, training events which deal with specific strategies.
1: That's terrific. And I'm right in saying that I think the details of um, what is covered in each session for the course that you talked about that starts on the 28th of October, there are details in the carers Link What's On newsletter. Uh, so... People can find that if they go to Carers Link's website. Uh, the October to December edition of the newsletter is there and on page four, anybody who's interested in this kind of training can find out the dates, what's covered in each of the different sessions. And as you said, Heather, I think that the sessions run from 7pm to 9pm on a Wednesday night or on from half past 10 to half past 12 on Thursday mornings. So hopefully that will cater for parents who are perhaps working during the day but are available in the evening and, and vice versa. Um, and there's also details in there about how people can sign up uh, for the sessions, which is basically just um, emailing Differables and all the details are in Watson's newsletter. Is there anything you'd like to add Fiona about in terms of the support and help available to
2: to families? Yeah well as most people be aware a lot of the sort of hands-on groups and things like that have stopped and some might be starting up soon but we don't know in this strange world but during lockdown there's the local area coordinators so we were working with them when we were doing like a used to be like a sort of quarterly support group but they kind of felt that over this time the parents would probably need more support so it was on every couple of weeks but now that's gone back to sort of once a month and it's online as well so if you're interested in something like that or not on like on zoom if you're interested you think that would be helpful you can come along to that and in general there is other groups like a parent support group running tesco but unfortunately all these things have stopped at present Um, but yeah and i see a lot of as i said at the beginning a lot of the support we're providing now maybe is sort of a um, practical emotional sort of over um, the phone so if you are having issues like with things to do with schools um or just wanting someone to chat to, that's what we kind of we're here for. So we can still provide advocacy although we're not going into schools um anymore. We can still go in. And the young carers have had quite a... they've got their own sort of parents um Facebook page and, and sort of small community. So there are the young carers workers, Amarant and Lauren obviously are supporting young carers. But through that they've started a, a group for parents who can maybe share things if you're going through issues as well.
0: Yes, I think it's quite important to recognise that quite a lot of our young carers are uh, the person that came for is a sibling who, who has autism. And, and, you know, so therefore if you're out there listening and you've got uh, a a child who is a sibling of someone, then going to get, get in touch about and see if we how we can support them as a a young carer as well as, as you, as a, as a parent. Do you know, one of the things that struck me as we've been chatting is that we've, we've talked about parents and school and all that kind of thing, but autism isn't something that goes away as you get older, is it? So, if we're thinking about an older person, well, not an older, I don't mean an older, an adult, shall we say. Um, <laughs> don't want to insult everyone out there. Um, an <laughs> adult with, with autism. Is, how, how have they found the, the lockdown and how are they coping as, as, as adults now and out there?
2: This same sort of issue, so it's obviously with the spectrum, it's a, it's a massive eh, spectrum, <laughs> um, so let am support some carers who maybe the person they care for who's now 18, 19, 20, 21 or whatever, so usually we'd be going into a college placement and it was looking quite good a couple of weeks ago, you know, college was starting the 29th and they were going to go to that, but then because of all the new sort of rise that's gone back again, they're putting it off in a month, so there's a lot of parents who maybe they'll be working themselves, so they were relying on their, their son or daughter um, going to college and that's now not happening anymore um, and they're sort of looking towards well what could they put in place because maybe the person they look for can't be, le- can't be left alone and it's the same sort of issue with maybe daycare providers you know so maybe they'd go to sort of a uh, Kellogg Bank or um, Empowered but maybe some of them are going back but maybe not the same amount of days but then you also have people who are maybe not going to college or um, sort of daycare maybe going to look for work or look for volunteering opportunities and unfortunately that's something that's been a bit of a difficult situation just now because maybe in the past they'd be going to courses or colleges or looking for jobs to try and help them and I think that's the kind of a bit sort of the biggest issue that I'm seeing just now That is that there's no sort of movement of you know moving on you know like, so I'm starting a new college course I'm going to look for a finished college I'm going to start a job or I'm going to go back to sort of daycare and just now all these things are kind of in the air so I think a lot of carers are struggling with that you've know, had some carers that are saying uh, now that the sort of furlough and things of that have stopped, they might have to give up work because sort of care or that their respite facilities aren't um, opening up yet because of either the care is saying it's not safe or, or, or just general the guidances that they've not opened. So that's quite a quite a big issue for them. Maybe the people in the spectrum who need a bit more support, and for those who need a little bit less that difficulty of maybe looking into new jobs or um, looking into further training or volunteering that you know these opportunities aren't really there so it's like what can we do, what can they do instead in this sort of time so that's been a bit of a struggle.
3: Transition Scotland have done quite a lot of work um, around about the problem of that older transition, the, the college and university students um, on the spectrum. Who, as Fiona says, you know the opportunities are are less, or if they are there, they're not getting clear guidelines and that transition into the supports for that transition that they would normally have had, and you know the whole process of starting university with no clarity around about your accommodation or about your classes, or you know these have caused huge problems for a mass of students, but particularly for our neurodiverse students who have difficulty with, with not having clear information guidelines. So a load of, I have several ADHD or autistic spectrum, um, student aged clients who have had a major problem with this transition and they're just not going smoothly. I also have several carers who are on the spectrum themselves. As well as the as the young people and they have found it extremely difficult they found it very difficult to implement the changes at home that came from suddenly being all together in the house and having to formulate strategies that were normally dealt with by outside routines They've also, the adults have had particular difficulties with the COVID infection itself. The rules around about the, about, you know, do you, don't you, people have given clear guidelines about distances, about masks, and they then go out into the outside world and people simply aren't obeying them. And they have huge difficulty with that. And there's been a lot of anxiety in trying to work out what the actual risk factors are for themselves and their children. Um, and it has caused a lot of mental health issues amongst our adults on the spectrum dealing with the uncertainties of of the virus itself, because for all, there appear to be clear guidelines those guidelines keep changing and people aren't obeying them and that's incredibly difficult.
0: I think that's a that's a really important point, Heather, that you know, it's not just about normal life. It's it's about how interacting with that wider world. But I think it'd be quite good to to end on a on a positive note if we if we can. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I hope we can. Um, but I mean I, I know that you you there are lots of strategies that you you tell people about Heather when you're when you're doing these courses. I'm wondering if you could think, I know it's a tough question, is there one bit of advice that you could give to people people on the spectrum and also to people who aren't on the spectrum who might come into contact with someone on the spectrum of how we could make life easier for them?
3: The big thing is about looking for that structure, looking for predictability and making clear to yourself what is out there, what is supposed to happen. Other people won't necessarily live by those rules, but once you've got a clear idea about what is happening, why it's happening, and have made it clear to yourself and others, that's really what helps people with neurodiverse conditions, ADHD, ASD, dyspraxia, those type of things, having clear guidelines about what is expected of you and of others around you. Um, in preferably in written format, which makes it visual and easier to go back to. From the point of view of our parents struggling with school, um, Enquire is a wonderful website, which helps with all sorts of information about what their rights and procedures are. And from the point of view of dealing with the issues around about the infection itself, there's a lot of very very useful information on the NAS website, both to help individuals with autism and to help support individuals with autism around about all the rules and regulations and and structures of COVID itself. There's a lot of information online.
0: Right, thank you, and we'll we'll get that all into the show notes so that people can can just click onto the the links and and go and visit all those websites. Uh, Fiona,
2: any last words from you? No, just echoing kind of what Heather said. And also just if you are struggling or you want someone to t- to talk to about anything just to get in touch because we're, we're here. Yep, so the Keras Link telephone number is... Nine five. Heather. Five uh, John
0: normally does this to me. He suddenly says, right, Katie, what's the phone number? So I'm going to do it to you, Heather.
2: 2131 <laughs> or 0800 975 2131. <laughs> am I right? I should be.
0: You are right. There
1: you are. Saved by <laughs> not saved by the bell, but saved That's by Fiona. An
2: situation
1: to be in. <laughs> thank you, Fiona. <laughs> well, huge thanks to both of you. It's a fascinating subject. I'm sure we could have talked all day about it, but some really, really helpful and useful information there. Um so thank you to you both and thank you, Katie, too, for making my first foray. Um, into hosting the podcast, um, a fairly seamless one. It's I hope like
2: you've done it for life. To be thank fair, you see, you seem a professional. Oh, you flatterer,
0: Fiona! <laughs> you know, normally, if we were in the office, Fiona would be looking for biscuits in reward for that. But uh, we're not in the office, so I don't know how she's going to manage that one.
2: <laughs> you've know, not seen my eyes wonder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I will then do the, the the John's normal bit and and thank everyone for listening. Um, and also, I'd say. There are, I think, you know, we, re- we have just scraped the top of, of, of this topic. So, if you, anyone out there does have more questions about, about autism or any of the neurodiverse conditions, please get back in touch with us. And we, if you've got a list of questions, we can always ask Heather and Fiona back on and we can do a, 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 a kind of a targeted um, podcast. Or we could get you on to ask your own questions. We could get you to call in and ask your questions. It's a really good um, idea. But thank you very much for listening. It, it would be Thanks. an excellent time. It's something we've always wanted to do as a podcast, actually, is have a, have a phone in. So um, if if there are people out there that will be willing to phone in, we would love to hear from you. So thank you, everyone. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, we're not quite sure what the next podcast is. We'll, we'll let you know when it happens. Um, but look forward to speaking to you again soon. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.